Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come together before you on this special day. Lord, at a time that we have dedicated to your worship, we ask that you would help us to surrender ourselves to you and to your word. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to teach us and to help us be obedient to your word. We ask that you would give us what we need to live for you through the coming week, that your name may be honored and glorified in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Please remain. Another year has gone, and uh, someone told me, as you get older, time goes faster. Not because time actually moves any faster. It's because when you think about things, you can actually, instead of thinking about a few weeks or a few months, As you did when you were in your teenage years. I mean, six months was an eternity. And now you look back and say, oh, it was just a few months. No, that was seven years ago. Time doesn't move faster. It's just that your memory has to go over more of it to get where it's going. Isn't that encouraging? But another year is gone. uh, Just a few days and... And we will have um, a watch night service, a New Year's Eve service. We'll start here Monday night, tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. And uh, we'll go through midnight. And, of course, my oft-repeated little thing is as soon as it gets midnight, we pray. We send everybody home before all the bad people get out from doing the bad things. Amen? Safest time to be on the road uh, is right about midnight. And so we'll get you home if you need a ride, we'll, we'll get you one. You won't need a ride because of what you did at church, though. Amen. And uh, uh, you'll be able to remember all of the things. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And as you're thinking about the last Sunday of the year, I begin to think about often we are just, so totally clueless when it comes to what is happening in the world uh, around us. I was reading a little article. Some person died. Uh, They had a, a terminal illness and they didn't tell any of their friends and when they got together at the funeral, most of their friends expressed their anger Uh, and upset at the person for not telling them that they were getting ready to die. Now, doesn't that sound strange? And uh, they said, it's not fair. You you didn't give us an opportunity to to say goodbye to you and, and all of the things that we wanted to do. You know, funerals is a really horrible time for many people because you remember all the things that You could have, should have, wanted to do, but never did. One of the saddest things at a a funeral is when you meet someone who had some unresolved ongoing conflict with the lately deceased of which they never took advantage to settle the problem and now it would never be settled. And I began thinking about the end of the year and all of these things kind of came together in, 
in, in my mind, and that's where the morning sermon has come from, is this simple idea that, you know, we try to get ready for all these special events when we really should be putting that same amount of effort into living every day. Are we together? We, we often say, well, what if I, I would have known that that would have been the last time I saw my father? What would I have done differently? I want to challenge you that we don't know those things. God has purposefully withheld them from us for a reason. <coughs> Excuse me. He does not want us to live for the big event. He wants us to live daily. In Acts chapter 1, we're given a living illustration of this. Luke is picking up the author of the book. He's picking up his uh, story from the end of the book of Luke. And he really is our historian as far as the Bible is concerned. He was the one the Holy Spirit led to write these things. In verse 6... Well, let's just, uh, let's just get uh, started in verse 1 and, and read through uh, verse 11 of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Unto the day which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but she shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now, the story that we have here, Jesus had died. He'd been buried. Third day, he rose again. 
Forty days after his resurrection, he had appeared to his disciples in different places, giving them instruction and teaching them. And the disciples apparently thought that this was basically going to just continue as it had. Of course, they had in their minds and in their hearts the question that they ask in verse 6, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? That was foremost upon their minds. Why? Because Jesus had told them, you 12 men are going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now that is a great promise, is it not? If the Lord had told you something like that, what would be your first thought? When do I get to start bossing everybody around? Now, you wouldn't put it that way. But the idea of being on a throne and being a king, a judge over one of the 12 tribes of Israel in history and all that, I mean, that was, what more could a Jewish man ask than that? Especially when you added to that promise the promises of the kingdom that was in the book of Isaiah. We're still waiting on those promises to be fulfilled. When the lion lies down beside the lamb and the poisonous snakes are no longer poisonous, the world is going to be a different world. Now, how would you like to be in charge? I mean, what... I mean, it is, it is a fantastic promise, something to really look forward to. The disciples said, we've been with this for such a long time now, three years, Lord, now uh, we've, we've learned and we've uh, suffered with you some, and now we're ready to reign with you. And what was Jesus' answer? It is not for you to know. Now, don't you think he kind of just poured a little water on their high hopes? Oh, you bet you he did. He did on purpose because his plan was a little different than ours. You see, we spend a great deal of time and effort and life force You only have so much life force. By that I mean the ability to walk and to accomplish things. Uh, That is programmed, as far as we understand, into your DNA at the moment of conception. How healthy you're going to be, what diseases you're going to face, how long you're going to live, how tall you're going to be, how much hair you will or will not have, or will have for a certain period of time and then lose. I mean, all of those things are in your DNA. There's very little you can do about them unless you want to go play in traffic or test the law of gravity or some absurd things like that. Uh, I like the way Brother Shaw used to put it. He said, I believe God will keep you in his service until he's done with you, but if you do some stupid things, he was talking about, some of our construction projects, lifting too heavy, he says, you can have an awful lot of misery before God's done with you. Uh, I'll tell you, I've tried to listen to that wise counsel. But we wrap ourselves up 
in trying to figure out the things that God says, those are mine. You see, we often use the phrase, if I had only known, I would have done things differently. How many people said that about 9-11? How many people have said that about the hurricane or some of these other great catastrophic events? Or when someone suddenly passes from this life into the next? If I'd only known, would have done things differently. Well, what Jesus is trying to do with the apostles right here, he says, don't get your mind all wrapped up in those great events because you can't know. You have no idea when these things are going to happen. And I mean, we're right here on the brink of a new year. And not a one of us in this room knows what's going to happen in the next year. By the way, if you did, they'd probably put you in jail for it now, wouldn't they? It's called insider trading and all kinds of other things. Uh, if, if fixing the bets and getting kickbacks and, and, and all of the racketeering. I mean, Nobody knows what's going to happen unless you're doing something dishonest and planning it on your own. That's beyond the realm of anyone who calls himself a Christian. Amen? Should be. Ought to be. And so the first thing that God is, Jesus is teaching these disciples in these last few moments. Now the problem is the disciples do not know. This is the last few moments they will have with the Lord. We know because we're reading the story. And it's amazing that the number one question in their heart and mind is when's the party begin? When do we get to sit on the throne? When does all the fun stuff happen? Jesus said, that's under the Father's power not under yours. He said, but I'm going to give you some direction here. And so before we move to that point, what I want you to just put in your heart and mind this morning is, number one, Jesus was trying to give the disciples freedom from having to figure it all out. If you would just stop a moment, how much of your life has been wasted trying to figure it all out? And those of you that have really exercised yourself in this direction, could I ask you a question? Did you ever figure it out? Did it ever happen the way that you thought it would happen? Somebody, I'm sure, in an auditorium is, yeah, it did once. Okay, we'll give you once, but how many other times didn't it work? Let's not talk about that, Pastor. Well, how about we give up on the once? Because it probably didn't make any difference anyway that one time. And start 
by taking our future and placing it in the hand of God. Amen? Then we will have freedom to concentrate on the second thing that Jesus did was he gave them his words and his direction. Look with me, verse 8. You should know this verse. It's a verse that uh, we ought to go to often in our mind and in our hearts. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem <coughs> excuse me, and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now these were the last words according to the book of Luke, according to Luke's story. These are the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, how many of you received a battery-operated something or other, or an electrical-operated something or other for Christmas? Uh, I think almost everybody got something that works on batteries, or you have to plug it in to make it work. You know what one of the most frustrating things is? It's not so much so anymore, but the old... Uh, older items a few years back, if you had something that had one of those rechargeable batteries, it always came to you dead. And if you read your instruction book, it said, please plug in said item and allow to charge without any interruption for at least 12 hours to set the power reserve in the back. Anybody remember those things? How many of you shared the frustration as you plugged in this brand new whatever it was that you wanted to use and you couldn't touch it for 12 hours. I mean, isn't that frustrating? How many of you disobeyed the rules and then it never quite worked right? Don't raise your hands for that. But the problem is, if you're not plugged into the right power source, bad things are going to happen. I remember when we built our apartment this back in 1998, uh, we had to hire licensed electricians to do certain parts of the thing in order to fulfill building code and all of that. And they came in and <clears throat> I uh, was looking at one of the outlets in the kitchen and, and it wasn't working quite right. In fact, you plugged in something normal, a 110 outlet, and it started humming real funny. And uh, I immediately got out the meter and checked what these incredibly uh, efficient licensed electricians had done. And we had 220 coming out of a 110 outlet. Uh, it was scary stuff. Uh, the problem was it wasn't done right. If you don't have the right power source. And how many sermons ought to be preached and have been preached on trying to serve God with human effort and understanding. We wonder why we get so worn out serving God. Sometimes it's because 
we're not hooked to the right power source. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and all you have to do is turn on TVN and you can have some incredibly ridiculous uh, uh, anomalies of what people call Holy Spirit power. Jesus explains that if you're hooked into the right power source, this is what's going to happen. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Witnesses. Uh, not Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way. But witnesses unto me. You're going to be witnesses about Jesus Christ. How many of you ever saved, scrimped, prayed for something? A new car, a computer, and some new thing that was coming out. And I mean, you worked it, and, and I mean, it took months or maybe even years to save up so you could finally get this thing. Do you remember opening the box? Or putting the key in the ignition for the very first time. It's what did you do? Maybe it was he's mine or she's mine. What did you do? You told everybody who had listened to you everything you could tell them about said object or person. Did you not? I'm hearing a few snickers throughout the crowd this morning. As we remember times when this actually happened in our lives. But why in the world? And I'm not asking you because I think I have this all under control because I don't. I'm asking myself as I'm asking you, why? When I have a living relationship with the creator of the universe, am I not as excited about Jesus as I was about fill in the blank? I want to challenge you, here's why. The Holy Spirit is not doing the work. We are. That's why. If the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power of the Holy Spirit, you are going to tell people about Jesus. Now, before we go much further, I want to ask you a question. Does that mean everybody's going to listen? Well, those are two different subjects. But right here it says, you're going to say something about Jesus. Now, where are you going to say it? You're going to say it in Jerusalem. That was the city that they were in. All Judea, everything around Jerusalem that you could reach to, Samaria, the next state or county, <coughs> excuse me, as it would be, 
into the uttermost part of the earth. That sounds like a pretty big challenge now, doesn't it? You see, I can't go everywhere. But I can help other people go just about everywhere. Amen? If we're going to get the gospel out, we've got to be involved in missions as a church. And I praise the Lord, we are. I just got to print the new missions checks. Six new missionary families we added. I love adding missionary families. We print 36 or 37 checks that support about 75 different missionaries and projects now every month. A little over, <clears throat> right about $5,000 a month goes right out to missionaries, most of which are church planners, several, uh, one Bible college, and several other organizations that help missionaries get out. Guess what that is? Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit and letting your witness go into all the world. Amen? So I knew he'd talk about money somehow. Oh, we don't, I do not preach an awful lot about money, except for one thing. Talk about giving to the missionaries. I talk about that often. Because we need to be about our Father's business. Amen? But I want to warn you today, if your missions giving is in your own effort and in you doing the best that you can... It's not going to go very far, but if your missions giving is under the influence and a result of the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in your life, miraculous things are going to happen. We live in a city of nearly 9 million people. Jesus said that broad is the way, wide is the gate, broad is the way which leadeth unto destruction. Do you know that every borough in New York City has a Broadway? There's one in Manhattan, there's one in the Bronx, there's one in Queens, there's one in Brooklyn, there's even one on Staten Island. And Staten Island isn't that broad to begin with. But they got to have a broad way. I believe, I don't believe that a group of people sat down and said, how can we blaspheme God? Let's call it Broadway. No. But it is the natural result of what mankind is about to produce a Broadway. And most of the people are going to go the Broadway that leads into destruction. How are we going to get people off the Broadway? Uh, let me ask you a question. How did you get off the Broadway? Somebody told you about Jesus. Amen? 
I've met some people over the years who said, well, nobody told me, Pastor. I just found a little track in the phone booth. Excuse me. Who put it there? Well, it was just there. No. Somebody took time to print it, and someone else took time to carry it and place it in there just so you could find it. I met a fellow one time, handed him a track up here on 30th Avenue, and he looked at me and he said, this is an answer to my prayers. I always get nervous when that kind of stuff happens. I've been praying all night that God would show me the way, and here you are, and you have given me a paper with God's message on it. Man, I was taken aback. I was just... Well, if you were praying all night that God would show you the way, let me tell you, this is the answer to your prayer because this track is God's plan for how you can go to heaven. It was less than a year later that same man came up to me and said, I'm not coming back to your church. And I said, well, why? He said, because the only person you ever talk about is Jesus. He says, you don't believe that man can do anything good. I said, you're right. I don't. Because the Bible says so. He says, you put too much emphasis on the Bible. His name was David. No relation to anybody who comes to our church today. I said, Dave, if there is any reason in the world not to attend our church, you got it. Because that's all we do here. I'm filling out a paper for the city of New York. Uh, they, they want us to, they're asking us to renew our exemption of water and sewer charges, tax exempt things. And one of the questions is describe uh, any inst- religious instruction that happens on your property. And I'm sitting here going, you guys are nuts. Everything we do is religious instruction. Because this is all God gave us. And if you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you've got to get into this book. Because he's not going to teach you anything that's not already been written down. The Holy Spirit work in your life is not shivers and, and jitters and jumping up and down and burping in a bag or barking like a dog or any of these other ridiculous things that people do and claim to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. If you want the Holy Spirit of God to influence you, to give you power to come upon you and to... Make you be a witness. You got to get into this book. The reason the Holy Spirit doesn't lose, use us is because we don't read his book. We'll read the newspaper. We'll read the news articles. We'll listen to the radio. We'll follow things on the internet. We'll read everybody's blog. I'm sorry, I hate blogs. I just do. 
I don't want to know what your cat did yesterday. I'm glad that he did it for your sake. All right, I really am. Just don't tell me. I promise you, if you don't tell me about your cat, I won't tell you everything my children did yesterday. Amen? But we have people just sitting there going on and on ad nauseum about how good the tacos were at Taco Bell. Now, that can't possibly happen, my friend. Good case of indigestion, yes. But, I mean, that's about as far as it goes. And we all have to talk, 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 talk. And we can't do like Mary, the sister of Martha, did. And spend a little bit of time sitting at Jesus' feet. Letting him talk to us through his word. You see, you can't be a witness of him until you know him first. You can't tell other people about him until you've let him tell you about you. Because you've got to get you out of the way first. Amen? I hope the only thing about the sermon you remember is not the Taco Bell comment, please. But sometimes that's what we hold on to. How much time did you invest before you got that new computer? How many horsepower does that car have at 5,600 RPM? Most engines don't go that fast, by the way. But we know all of these things. Number one, I want to challenge you. The disciples had no idea what Jesus was about to do. If they'd had any idea this was their last few moments with the Lord, things may have been a little bit different. Their first question was about the kingdom, and Jesus said, Guys, will you let me set you free from trying to figure everything out? Number two, will you take my words... And use them for your direction. Will you allow my spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to come upon you and empower you to tell other people about me? They had one more thing. As they stood there looking up into heaven with their mouths hanging open, two men in white apparel, appeared and gave the disciples a promise. You've seen him go. He's coming back. You see, they had the promise of his return. Do you think the disciples, when they heard the words of the angel here, just outside Jerusalem, as they watched Jesus ascend into heaven, do you think maybe that they heard the words that Jesus uttered the night in which he was betrayed echo in their minds? 
Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. See, I think there's a connection. I know there's a connection. We're waiting for him to come. Do we know when Jesus is coming back? No. Harold Camping thought he knew. Wrote several books on the thing. Didn't happen. Uh, how many of you survived December 21st? Somebody said, what do you think about that Mayan thing? I said, it worked for the Mayans a long time ago. How many Mayans do you know? They're all gone. Oh, you might have somebody that claims to be a descendant, but the Mayan people and culture is gone. So I'm not worried about the Mayan calendar. What I am concerned about is, when is Jesus coming back? What am I going to be doing when he comes back? Uh, that's what I need to be concerned about. How about you? But I want you to think about what goes on in the rest of the book of Acts for a moment. And I just want to summarize this thing. And uh, Working on preaching shorter sermons on Sunday morning. Some of that may be a blessing. Some say, oh, I like the long ones. Okay, well, tell me about it. Amen. But I want us to think about just one thing. As you go through the rest of the book of Acts, you don't have any long periods of times where the disciples are just sitting there in a circle trying to figure out what they're supposed to do with their time now, do you? In about 10 days from this, the events of Acts chapter 1, the, act, the events of Acts chapter 2 come into play. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They are now empowered to serve the Lord. And the rest of the book of Acts is about their service for the Lord. And let me tell you, there's not a lot of breaks and vacations and meditation and time to get together with yourself and figure out what's going on. They were too busy serving the Lord for all that stuff. And I love the story of Peter. We'll just talk about it for a few minutes. He had been arrested. Just a little while previous, James, the disciple of the Lord, the brother of John, who wrote the book of John, had been arrested by Herod and beheaded, and Peter was kept in. And in Acts chapter 12, the story is there about how Herod had planned to execute Peter as soon as the anniversary of Jesus' resurrection was passed, he was going to execute Peter, and the night before he did, what happens? An angel walks into the prison cell, says, Peter, get up. Now, if you knew you were going to die the next morning, what would you be doing? I need to write my last will and testament to... Maybe I could click into LegalZoom.com and get that thing done before they take me to the 
to the executioner and, and I need to send a note to mom and I need to send a note to my brother and, uh, you know, and there's this uh, fellow that I had an argument with and I never settled it here and let me get this thing done. I mean, most of us would have a long list of things that we would want to get accomplished if we knew that we were going to die in the morning. What was Peter doing? He was sleeping. Can I challenge you? Peter was not sleeping because he was unconcerned. He was not sleeping because he was one of those lackadaisical, uncaring kind of persons. Study the life of Peter. He was desperately involved with everything he did. But I think Peter had gotten a little bit better at this thing. It's in God's hands. I can't do anything about it. If they're going to kill me tomorrow, they're going to do it. If God wants to deliver me, he can. And I'll serve him a lot better with a good night's sleep than without one. You say, that's childish. Well, uh, yeah. But the Bible says, except you have faith as a little child. I believe Peter was being childish. I believe he was letting God take care of the things that only God could take care of. And what did Peter end up doing? He was preaching before the whole thing was done. Now what? You see, God wants to give you freedom from having to figure it all out. He's given you his words and his directions. He's given you a promise of his coming. His words and directions, just to go back there, tell us that our power supply is to be the Holy Spirit of God, not ourselves. This gave the disciples a purpose and a calling and a drive that they lived until the day they died. Sounds like a great way to prepare for the coming year to me. How about to you? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would take the events that we have studied off the page here in the book of Acts and Lord, that you would let us live them Lord, we're such frail and failure-prone beings. Lord, there's no good thing that you've given us that we haven't messed up. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, maybe some people here today need to just say, Lord, I'll stop trying to figure it all out. I'll give that to you. Maybe there's some others here that are saying, well, Lord, I'm serving you as hard as I can, but it's their effort and not that of the Holy Spirit of God through them. We pray that we would surrender to your word and that the Holy Spirit would be able to use us. Lord, I pray that you would keep the eyes of our heart 
directed toward the heavens, knowing that at any moment you could come back for us. And Lord, that we with all the life effort that you have chosen to give us would serve you until you come. Lord, it's the last Sunday of the year. We ask that we would not be unprepared to meet you when you come. We pray for those that are here today that may not know you as their Savior. Our first prayer is that today would be at least another step closer to the knowledge of the Savior. Our second request is that even today they might surrender themselves and understand what the Bible says about how to be saved, to be born again the Bible way. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to do what needs to be done in each heart and life here present today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation today is one that we use often.